Hey, this is Chip with The Real Dirt. Thanks for joining us today. Today I'm in my newest of new podcast studios. Yes, there's quite an echoey sound in here. And we're going to turn this into the new Oklahoma City podcast studio. So look forward to many, many episodes here. I'm going to have people from all over the country and all over the world guests here at The Real Dirt. Hey, I want to thank you for joining me today. And if you haven't, please go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to The Real Dirt Podcast. Please join us on Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, you know, if you uh, need any hydroponic or indoor or outdoor growing materials, please contact us at CultivateColorado.com, CultivateOKC.com. And if you're using soil or soilless medium, growers soil is what you should use. So without further ado, on today's episode, we have Matt Mayberry. We're going to talk about software and how it relates to the cannabis industry. So sit back, fire one up, and enjoy this episode of The Real Dirt. Hey, Matt, Chip here. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Starting to be nice in fall weather over here in Oklahoma. Where, where, where am I talking to you? Are you in California someplace? Yeah, we're just north of San Francisco in Marin County. Oh, man. I was just over there up in Humboldt. Rough fires, dude. Oh, man, it's crazy. Yeah, this summer has definitely been a strange one. We left California, actually, when the smoke got really bad here. The fires weren't very close this year for us uh, so far. Well, I guess my definition of close is a lot different over the last few years but we didn't have any like imminent fires like that were were in our town that were that were meaningful in any kind of way but the smoke was really bad so we took off to Oregon to get away from the smoke and then the fires followed us up there basically the smoke got really bad up there after we were up there for a few weeks and we decided to come back down here yeah that's right we had a a podcast scheduled and uh, you had to postpone it because you were fleeing from the smoke yeah, it's been a wild one. So I'm glad we finally did it and we got this thing on the books. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Thanks for joining me, man. So, Matt, you know, uh, technology is is now like, man, it's starting to be so much part of everyday life. And the, the cannabis industry is no different, no matter if it is hemp or ganja or medical marijuana. We're all using technology. And, and Matt, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I'm Matt Mayberry. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Trim, and we build farm management software for commercial cannabis cultivators. And ultimately what we do is we help growers uh, better manage their operation and manage their team, and then also help scale their business so they can be successful. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, farm management software is, is something that industrial agriculture has been using. It's, I mean, it's probably one of the first things that happened with the computer. Right. Just figure out how to how to count how many pigs or chickens that you got. <laughs> but uh, the industry really has been dominated by some major, major industrial agricultural players. And there haven't been too many people like yourself to, to want to come in, you know, to uh, the farm management side. Man, what, what gave you the idea to do this? Yeah, so I started out my my journey in cannabis, I guess, when I was uh, about 17 years old in North Carolina. You know, I was smoking cannabis recreationally with my friends and mothership. Uh, you were smoking mothership <laughs> over there <laughs> i don't know no, we did not have the quality of product that we have these days when i was coming up uh, <laughs> so uh okay famous we, uh, famous weed strain from from my past mothership 
Oh, okay, uh, nice. Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if that has a Parliament Funkadelic influence. <laughs> Literally, so. Ashland's such a center of music in the South, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got my, my first degree at Appalachian State in North Carolina, which is like about an hour away from Asheville. So I spent a lot of time in the mountains of North Carolina. But yeah, so I mean, when I was a teenager, I was uh, just riding around my friends. We were, we were smoking cannabis and, you know, I really enjoyed it. And I was always been, you know, I've, I've got two different engineering degrees. I'm, I've always been kind of a tinkerer. And so uh, that started at a very young age. So I decided to try and see if I'm, I could grow the stuff myself. Got a little bit better going to App State, <laughs> met some other growers there. When I graduated, I, I went into tech and I didn't, uh, I didn't grow commercially. I was still home growing though. And I had kept my eye on the industry. I had a lot of friends that were in the industry. I, had a lot, I still have a lot of friends that are growers, uh, some of them from, from back in North Carolina. When Prop 64 passed, essentially, I started looking at the industry more seriously as a, as a career, more than just something that I did in my free time. And so started looking at the space and given my experience in, in cultivation, I, I'd say that in a very humble way, my experience in cultivation is, is much different than a lot of our customers. Uh, you know, I, I don't grow a product that looks like uh, that looks like what our customers grow. But, but with my interest in, in mild experience in, in cultivation, I decided to take a look at the space. And me and my co-founders felt really comfortable with cultivation. Benjamin, who's one of our co-founders, actually he used to work on a commercial farm up in Mendocino. Uh, and then he was an electrical engineer at a company that he and I used to work at. And my wife, Karen, is our third co-founder. And she was part of my experiments in home growing here once we moved to California. So we all three had had experience with the plant. And uh, we started looking at when Prop 64 passed with the lens of how can we apply the, the experience that we have in technology and, and apply it to the, the cultivation space. So really, we just started poking around and grows, trying to find like what was going on at these farms and how people were currently managing things and seeing if there was a place to actually apply some additional technology in one way or the other, whether it was hardware or software, to make their lives easier. And what we found was that as far as the the record keeping went and the management of the farm went, really the most sophisticated technology was whiteboards and Excel spreadsheets and notebooks. And in, I guess, the regulated markets that currently had the kind of compliance element as well, they had software that was provided by the state that most of the growers didn't like. So we started thinking, you know, it looks like there's a pretty big opportunity here, Well, let's figure out what that is. And so that, then we just started to, to iterate on releasing small amounts of product and working with the farms that we uh, had pretty good connections with to try and see if that was something that would be valuable to them. And eventually we ended up with a product and started selling it to people. So you're, you're homegrown. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, you're homegrown, I, you know, you're, 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 you know, I, I kind of, I put every, I put people in the two basic categories in, in the weed industry. There are the pink shirts and there's the homegrown. Right. And the, the homegrown people are people who've been growing, you know, cannabis for themselves, you know, and the people around them were started out that way. Right. They had this desire to like, hey, I want to help, you know, cultivate cannabis. And the pink shirts are generally the people that want to cultivate the business of cannabis. They both intermesh and, and, you know, I lovingly say the term pink shirts because several of them work with me, but like they come from the business side and often not from the, the homegrown or from, from the cannabis side. Now, all the, almost every other tech person I have talked to were pink shirts. They wanted to bring some business side to it. Did you have like a, a problem that you wanted to solve? You know, to like, because yeah. you're looking at your, you're, you're growing, you're seeing what people are, but like, is there number one, like, oh man, nobody's taking advantage of, nobody's doing this. Yeah. So what we found <laughs> when we started talking to growers was that 
they have a really a multitude of different problems that they face every day. And in order to solve those, they're either using manual processes or they were using multiple different pieces of software to do that. So scheduling out a batch of plants from seed all the way through to harvest. And people are using things like Google Calendar or those like paper calendars that you buy at Staples. And they're mapping everything out and they're either mounting them in the grow or they're sharing that calendar with their employees. And then the compliance element of it they were usually using either notebooks and Excel to track all the, the compliance reportable events and then handing that over to a, a compliance manager that would then put all of that into the state system and, and report it to the, the regulators. And so the other thing was you need to know what's going on in your grow. You need to know what the conditions are. You need to know what happened last week. You need to know what's happening right now. If the lights go out, you need to know that. And there were people basically putting together, like there were some people that we talked to that were putting together their own systems for like thermal shut off where, you know, if their air conditioner went out, they would turn off some of the lights and they were kind of rigging a lot of this stuff themselves. There's some systems that were out there that were doing some more advanced controls. Some were out of people's price ranges or, or some just didn't have access to those types of systems, I guess, at the time. But we just saw that there were a lot of different problems that a lot of people were putting together. You know, they say innovation is born out of necessity, right? There was a lot of kind of micro innovation in all of these grows where people were solving the problems that they had. And we were able to kind of look at all those problems and then think about, all right, with our... So my, my background was I worked in hardware, software, and firmware. Benjamin, who is our business partner, has worked in in hardware, software to a degree, and firmware. And Karen, our, our third co-founder, she uh, is basically all things customer-facing, marketing and, and, and revenue and that kind of thing. So when we started looking at how can we apply what we know to these, we were able to look at the, the, the multitude of problems that people had and kind of figure out what that solution was. And what we saw is that there was really no software that was built specifically for cannabis cultivators. So you, you mentioned earlier in this call that there's all these systems that exist for broader ag, and that's true. But the reality is a lot of those systems were built for like row crops in Iowa and farming yeah, sure. you know, 20,000 acres in Iowa is a lot different than growing like five warehouses in Oakland. And so, yeah, and, and, uh, and most of it is animal husbandry or a lot of it's animal husbandry oriented. Yeah, exactly. There's a ton of that. And a lot of row crop stuff too, where they're using like satellite imagery to detect like pathogens oh, sure. and, and wa water necessities and things like that. So what we did is we actually took a lot of lessons from, we, we explored the farm management space. We looked at what a lot of those companies were doing for large scale commercial agriculture. And we looked at cannabis and we saw kind of where the gaps were. A surprise kind of insight was we we said there's not really anything that's specifically built for cannabis growers and with my experience in software i'd seen there were restaurant softwares and there were dental office softwares and things like this and everything was built you know with the idea that you can do everything that you need to do on a daily basis in those softwares and so we kind of took some lessons from those as well and set out to build a software that would cover all of the major aspects of a cultivator's business and those i, I kind of generically put those into three different categories one is managing your Team. The other is managing the environmental conditions or monitoring at least the environmental conditions in your facility. And then the third is your regulatory compliance. So those are probably the three biggest challenges that people face every day. Creating my groups of plants, tracking the activities that need to occur on those groups of plants, knowing what conditions they were exposed to, and then reporting all of that to the state. So that was really the problem that we set out to solve was kind of simplifying the grower's life and allowing them to really focus on what they do best, which is growing really high quality product and ultimately growing better product as a result of not having to worry about a lot of the other nuances that affect them on a daily basis. Yes, man. So many states like Colorado and California and Nevada, they're just so complex about their tracking and uh, man, then there's, you know, there's some things about California that's really nice about their harvesting. 
they're batching where Colorado, it's like, wow, you got to weigh it all. You have to track it all. Like Colorado's in my opinion has one of the best programs because, uh, you do have to track so much of it, but it's not ridiculous. Like maybe Nevada is, and you know, it's tough out there, man. It's really hard for new cannabis operators or experienced operators to really keep up with, keep up with it all. Right. You, you like literally have to have some sort of technology now. It's not just growing plants. Yeah. I mean, the legal market invented a new role in a cannabis cultivation facility, which is the, the compliance manager. You know, before before regulation, there was no compliance because there was, you know, everything was, it was like, oh, man, is this good? Compliance at that point. I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, is this good, bro? God, this good? I don't know. I don't, I don't like this one. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to the compliance element that comes with the regulated market, it's also that there's now this this kind of quality expectation with brands where you you put out a product and you say, you know, this particular cultivar, I'm branding it with my farm. And then the consumer tries that, they like it, they go back to the store, they want more of it, or they get it delivered or whatever. If it's not the same experience, then you might lose that customer. And so there's experience expectation and potency expectation and and kind of brand image all, all kind of encompasses all of that now. And that's a really new thing that we really didn't have in the legacy market. You know, it was, you knew so-and-so down the street had the fire sourdough, but you didn't necessarily like expect that every time you got that sourdough, it was going to be the exact same or what have you. And so we're, we've kind of created this, this machine to the industry that uh, has also led to a lot of changes beyond just reporting to the state for compliance. It's also like developing standard operating procedures that are unique to different cultivars and things like that. And I think that's a really exciting evolution um, because it's, it's what you see and like, wine and spirits and what you see when, you know, you look at other industries, you know, you kind of have uh, a recognition of the brand and you expect certain things from them. I mean, you, you kind of got to be feeling like the, when you go and talk to some of these cultivators, like, you know, you're introducing the, you know, the, the Ford Raptor and they're still on the like donkey and cart type scenario. Right. Cause I mean, ganja farmers, they're like salt of the earth. Right. Like most of them, the, the older school ones, you know, that this isn't what they're interested in. Do, do you have like, I don't know, it's almost a cultural like difference to be able to talk to people in that manner. Do you see that? Yeah, I'd say it's a mix in the industry. You know, we've got some growers that know they want something, but don't know exactly what it is. And, and then they meet with us to kind of see if we're it. And in some cases we are, and in other cases, you know, like you said, they might say, well, this is not necessarily what we're looking for, but for the ones that get it, some of our larger customers are actually telling us what they need still. You know, we started out very much customer centric, focused on what the growers needs are and figuring out like, here's what their problem is. Here's what the ultimate need is. Let's figure out a solution to that working really hand in hand with them. And we still have that to this day. Like we're a lot of our new feature development comes directly from growers saying, you know, this is now really important in my business. Can you help me figure out how to solve this? And as the industry evolves, our, our customers are evolving and our software platform needs to evolve to, to keep pace with them as well. Cause there's a lot oh, man, of do you, innovation do you have an example down from the customers. Example of one of those customer changes or customer like developments you made. Yeah, I mean, research. I, almost every feature in the app, I'd say, but I'll give you a couple of examples. Oh, so, cool, uh, cool. so I mean, you talk, <laughs> you talk heavily to people about what's going on. This isn't just your ideas. 
we would not be anywhere without the guidance from our customers. You know, they, we what we try to do is is spend as much. I mean, ultimately, all the way down to our our you know head of engineering. Actually, right now on this call, uh, our head of engineering is is covering a, a customer meeting for me, and he's meeting with a, a large client that we're trying to close and working with them to figure out how we need to to make some adjustments to to be able to deploy our software across their portfolio mm. facilities that they have. So all the way down to like the engineering level, we, we have people talking to our customers because if you don't understand the problem that the grower has, then you're not going to be able to build software that's going to solve that problem. And so from our customer support to our marketing, to our engineering team, to myself, you know, we spend an immense amount of time talking to our customers, but a great example is when we first launched, we had a mobile app only and it worked well for some of our really early customers. We had uh, basically the ability to monitor environmental sensors like temp, humidity, CO2 in the rooms. You could create groups of plants and assign them to those rooms <laughs> and then track them along the way and harvest them. And then you could also assign tasks to those groups of plants so, so that your team could execute them all from the, the mobile app. And we started out very much mobile focused because the farms that we were working with at the scale that they were at, basically a lot of them didn't even have computers in the facility. Had to be mobile. So then when we started, we honestly, we probably won a deal that was, we were way over our skis on and we probably shouldn't have <laughs> won, but we won it. And yeah. when they won them, they immediately said, this is great. We like what you're doing for the team, but you know, managers, we really need a web-based application and we got to be able to map things out like we do on this current calendar that we're using. And we need to, be able to plan out months or even harvest in advance. And so mm -hmm. uh, working really closely with them, we built out that functionality. And now it's probably like the most popular feature in our app is this, um, like that, this kind of concept of task planning for your team. And I mean, literally we just did a, a, a survey not too long ago. It was one of the more popular features that we have. So as mentioned cultivation earlier in the call, I've grown, but I've never grown at the scale that these guys are growing. And I've never produced product that looks anywhere close to what some of these guys are growing. So Humility is a really important thing, being humble in what you're good at and recognizing uh, where other people have expertise that you don't have. Mm -hmm. And uh, these growers know their craft inside and out. And, you know, I think we know tech and software inside and out, but we, uh, you gotta, we gotta listen to those that really know, know what they need. And, and that's the way we were able to, to really build solid features that, that actually match their, their expectations. I've said this over and over again, and, and it's my number one encouragement or advice that I give people is, is growing cannabis on a small scale or a large scale is more about logistics and movement of materials and people, right? Like, you know, there is a certain magic and magic element that happens when you cultivate cannabis, but uh, especially on a, on a commercial scale, the logistics associated with it all. You know, it, it, it's you have to be detail oriented if you want it to, to be successful and on and the cannabis to look the same brandable, you know, be at the same high quality or similar every single time. It's more than just talking to your plants, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's 100 percent right. Another example of a feature that we build in collaboration with our customers is actually uh, very much in line with what you're talking about here. So after we built out that task calendar, we had some customers saying, you know, I've got you know, 22,000 plants that I'm managing in this cultivation facility. And I've got a team of, you know, 30 people that, that work here every day. And I have to coordinate all of them on these plants and I have to grow these plants in the exact same way every time. So I really need a way to, to repeat that process for groups of plants and be able to basically like when I create a group of plants, we already know exactly what needs to happen on it all the way through from, from when I initially cut the clones to, and plug them all the way through when we're harvesting and hanging. We came up with this idea of a workflow. So workflow is just a series of tasks that need to occur on any group of plants. And you can 
create as many workflows as you want. So you could have one for each strain. You could have one for, for different cultivation styles. Maybe you've got one farm that's greenhouse. You got another one that's indoor, one that's outdoor. You can have different workflows that apply to those. Uh, or maybe you're testing out like Rockwell and, and Cocoa together. You can have different workflows for those. And then when you create a group of plants, you just assign this workflow and it automatically populate your calendar with all the tasks that need to happen for that group of plants. So I 100% agree with you with the inventory and, and team management problem being one of the major things that the growers have to overcome. You know, the art of growing cannabis is in itself a full-time job, you know, to, to really figure out exactly what your plants need and what you need to do and then to coordinate that across. I mean, some of these farms that we're working with are like measured in miles almost, right? They're like 400,000 square feet cultivation facilities. When you're talking about growing at that scale, you really need to have really strong processes in place in order to, to manage effectively and to get the same output that you're expecting every time. Labor is the number one operational expense. At least here in California, this is true. Everywhere, you know, and, and you just can't be, some things just can't be automated. Just like the uh, grape industry. So much of the, you know, grape industry is still hand labored, still hand picked, still hand trimmed. You know, it's, it's part of it. So take that and then imagine that you had to tag each individual grapevine with a barcode and you had to know what grape came from each vine yeah. every God, time. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. I mean, this is literally, do you, do you have a statistic on how much uh, compliance costs in labor? I mean, I've heard numbers as high as like 30% increase yeah. in labor. It's 30%. Yeah. That, that's coming from older markets in California because California is still pretty new in, in the compliance area, but like Colorado and Oregon, I've heard it's, you know, it adds 30% to just everything that we do when it comes from, you know, planting all the way through late. I mean, harvesting is probably the most laborious part of, of cultivating at this point, because you do have to weigh every plant. And a lot of these regulations, it's pretty clear that whoever wrote them either, didn't consult extensively with growers about it or ignored grower advice because there's a lot of things that add a ton of additional expense to the industry and all ultimately in time that doesn't, in my opinion, add a lot of additional value. But I've been in on those, those rule defining conversations with legislators and man, it just, it, you know, they've got this certain perception of public safety that they need to meet. And it kind of, that trumps everything. So even though we know that cannabis as a plant is pretty much harmless, right? They have to have this like allure that they're protecting, you know, the public from it. And that's why you get, you know, these weird laws, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen, right? especially like I've seen, uh, you know, the the distance to school thing it's like you can in some areas i've seen schools that are down the street from a 7-eleven where you can buy alcohol or down from you know a big box store where you can buy hunting rifles but nope you can't have a cannabis store anywhere close to that where they actually have a bouncer at the door that checks your id to make sure you can come in there you know it's it's pretty ridiculous some of the things that we see but i uh yeah i get it man the public fear that started at the beginning of the 20th century in this country and continues all the way now to, to this day, I think is, uh, is one of the biggest things as an industry that we have to overcome. You know, the federal perception is one thing and the, the federal legality is one thing, but the public perception is a whole, whole nother mess. Interesting how in California it has the oldest 
history of cannabis in the in the country, right? I mean, I know people are growing cannabis all over, but California's got one of the oldest histories. And there's all this preconceived information and leftover PTSD on both sides of the fence. And, you know, I was just there. I'm I'm dealing with a cannabis license up in Humboldt. And, you know, there's there's so many concerns people have that are just left over with historic stuff that doesn't occur anymore. And it might not have ever occurred, but like, you know, just the, like the preconceived notion that cannabis farmers, you know, don't care about the environment or polluters or trash or, you know, where other places like say Oklahoma, where I'm at right now, I'm talking from Oklahoma city, like people are so open to cannabis here and they're really interested in it in a way that like, I don't see, it in California, right? It's really, really strange, man. You know, that uh, you'd think that a, a state that has so much history with it and people who actively voted for it, right? You know, and, and smoke weed at night or at home on the weekends, just the conversations they have as they're against cannabis and cannabis production because of the myths, you know, of historic <clears throat> use. Yeah, I mean, even the county that I'm in here, there's there's no storefronts where you can buy it. We have delivery services, but, uh, you know. In Marin uh, County. Wait in Marin County. Oh, yeah. Home of the Grateful Dead, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, home after they got busted, right? So they yeah, got, yeah, yeah, right. One of the they homes. got busted for selling a San Francisco. Their safe house. And, yeah, they had, a little, they had a little stint in L.A. where they were, where they were manufacturing LSD, and then they came back, and they all landed in Marin County. And ultimately, that's where Jerry died out in Sense Beach. But, right, right. Uh, yeah, that's where Bobby still lives and uh, Phil's spot in San Rafael. So I mean, isn't that ridiculous? Like, I mean, the Grateful Dead really did, like, define so much, like, street-level cannabis dealing and, like, like helped, you know, uh, find cannabis travel throughout the country, right? I mean, so many, that was the first time so many people got exposed to high-end cannabis is going to dead shows. Yeah, for sure. Ah, it blows <laughs> me away, man. It's the same, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my cannabis license is in Humboldt, and they're the hardest. It is so hard to get a cultivation license in the county of Humboldt. They've just regulated it and restricted it and zoned it pretty much to death. It's just nuts. But like, used to be like where all the weed came from. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I've heard plenty of stories of people that have attempted to get licensed in California that were coming from the legacy market that for whatever reason, you know, either they had hardship getting a license or they had challenges with their facility they've just decided not to some have remained in the legacy market and others have moved to other states to to try and you know give it a go in some of the, the newer markets that depending on which market you're talking about in some cases like oklahoma is a great example it's, it's much easier to from a licensing perspective to start an operation there than it is in california it doesn't necessarily mean that it's any easier from a building out a facility and designing it and actually running it but you know when it comes to licensing there are, there are some newer markets that are a lot more liberal with their uh their their kind of allocation of licenses and things like that you know the limited liability or the limited license states like missouri and arkansas and georgia and florida you know they make it a little bit different because there's a whole application process and it's not quite the same over there. Usually when there's a limited liability state, there's no legacy people involved in it at all, right? Or like somebody's on the board where some other like billion dollar group of people have come in to like try to get a license because that's what it takes, man, right? Like it takes millions of dollars to get a license in one of those exclusive states. It's like that in uh, 
in some parts of California too, where you, oh, maybe yeah. not the millions of dollars, but there's like a whole side of the industry right now, which is like license application writing, right? Where you have to mm-hmm. like say the right things and uh, mm-hmm. per- portray yourself the right way in order to kind of, especially when it comes to storefront, you know, dispensaries are, I think, especially in really coveted areas are a much more, uh, a much more challenging thing. But yeah, there's uh, yeah. In I've Oklahoma, heard, heard a lot people, of stories about that. <laughs> one of my favorite customers is Danky McNuggets. You know, <laughs> but in Cal, and in, 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 when you're writing an application, like you have to, you know, have a, you can't be fun like that. It can't be the Cheech and Chong show so much anymore. It's like, oh, we're growing and building a sustainable cannabis operation and we're going to give back the community and healthy harvest friendly cannabis shop, you know, ends up being the name. Right. And that's, that's why so many of the names are so, you can't remember anybody's name. Right. Because they're all like, you know, something THC related, but like, you know, co-op or I don't know that 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 whole weird thing that's happened with cannabis has like definitely decreased the culture of it all when we used to go and buy it on people's couches. Oh, um, man. I still trip right. out when I drive through Oakland and I see the billboards like on the interstate because I'm just like, you know. Did you grow up in Oklahoma? Uh, no, no. I grew up in Georgia and moved to California okay. when I was like in my early 20s. All right. So I had a similar story, but I grew up in North Carolina. And so yeah, right. like, I remember having conversations with my parents and they were like, I was like, this stuff's going to be legal one day. And they were like, bullshit, it's going to be illegal. <laughs> and, uh, it's federally uh, illegal now. Like, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, but now... I'm driving down the interstate and you can, you know, you see it advertised on the interstate in Oakland. And that's just a really awesome experience to see the evolution. And, you know, we have these kind of, I guess, high end problems now that we're talking about of, you know, the, the, the way that they're regulating it. But the fact that it is regulated in a, in a positive way is a really amazing thing. No, yeah, you know, we gotta, I mean, we got to complain a little bit, you know, I mean, it's the yeah. checks and balances of it all. And, you know, the way we, of course, cannabis people win is by like, Hey, let's get some software to track the growth and the weight of the plant all the way through. So if anybody like questions where my cannabis went, I've got the data that shows exactly where it went. That's kind of the beauty of it. That's how we get to win, right? That's how we get to grow. It's like, Oh, we just track it. Oh, sure. I'll do that. Oh, I'll have a fence. Oh, sure. I'll be far enough away from people. And, you know, we just comply, just, you know, compliance. That's exactly what that means is we're not trying to fight it. Right. We're just going to comply. Well, okay, whatever you want, we'll do it, you know, and, and keep getting to grow more wheat. Yep. Absolutely. We're happy to help. So, uh, man, you get to talk to just a lot of great people. I'm sure all, and you're primarily in California, but do you go other, you know, other places? Yeah, so we're actually in 14 different states. Um, we focus on California because uh, it's where we're the, the bulk of the team is here, and it's really where we have probably the, the majority of our connections. But you know, we do have customers in Colorado and Oregon and Oklahoma and Massachusetts, Maine. Actually, just recently got our first customer out in Hawaii. So yeah, we're we're all over the place: Indiana, Pennsylvania. And you work in hemp as well as in ganja and medical marijuana as well. Yeah, we just recently started bringing on some hemp farms. The compliance piece is obviously not really a, a major factor there, but the farm management work that we're doing is uh, is, is really helpful there. Uh, so it's been interesting evolution of the product, I'd say, to see that we have uh, customers outside of cannabis that are using us. When you're talking to your hemp customers, I mean, they're more like traditional row crop farmers where the 
ganja customers, the medical cannabis customers, it, it's more like a, a nursery style type of operation. How do, how do you handle that with your software? Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of the hemp farms that we work with actually are similar to the anecdote that I gave earlier, which was a lot of growers in California that, you know, for whatever reason, were having challenges getting licensed or whatever, they moved to other states uh, to give it a go there. So a lot of the hemp farmers that we know are actually people that started out in like medical cannabis states and then moved to either move back home to like Tennessee or South Carolina or somewhere like that to start doing hemp. And the Interesting thing is that I think a lot of the hemp farmers are establishing themselves in markets where they believe legalization will happen soon. And then they've already got the infrastructure built up so that when licensing becomes available, they can get their cannabis license and be ready to, to drop the, the cannabis license. So we focus mostly on high-end smokable flower hemp uh, because it is so similar to cannabis and it works really well for the software that we've built out. The other aspect of the industry that's moving towards the like massive row crop outdoor hemp that hasn't really been something that we've addressed yet, but we do have aspirations to do that over time. Uh, we just need to, I think, make some slight adjustments to be the ideal solution for that type of cultivation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. It was, you know, my, my first thought and yeah, this, this year we just saw the industrialization of hemp and what incurred with that, the glut in the marketplace, the development of machinery, but I, yeah, you know, they don't, we don't it's not as regulated near as much as, ganja and medical marijuana is but you still need all the stats you still need to know what grows where you still need to know your water consumption you know so are, are you guys integrating any like drone technology or satellite technology you kind of mentioned those before um no we're currently we're integrated with like uh environmental control systems so things like trollmaster agricultural kind of uh, sure. irrigation controls and things like that as well as argus controls uh out of canada sure their industrial environmental control systems. So we're able to pull data in from those systems and then represent that in our system. We're looking at some other uh, environmental control integrations as well. And then obviously we're integrated with the uh, with metric. And also we're looking at some complementary software systems now to integrate with as well. Sure, like Link4 or Priva or somebody <clears throat> like that. Yeah, those are uh, those are the types of companies for sure that are on our, our mm -hmm. uh, integration list. We're mostly indoor and greenhouse, although we do have some outdoor farms that are on the platform. There are indoor trained drones. We have not specifically started working with those yet. That plus, uh, there's a lot of like imagery technology that's that's out there that I think is still maturing. But you know, they're using machine learning and, and imagery to essentially identify like pathogens or pests or things like that on plants. And so I think as the industry continues to evolve, those technologies will also evolve. And if it seems like that's a need that our customers have, then we'll look to integrate those types of uh, technologies that, at the point where it seems like it's sufficiently developed and, and would solve problems for our, our growers. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it seems like everything's coming with a data port these days, you know, and sensors, you know, are soon to be on everything. I mean, I'm surprised that like we don't have sensors on our lights for temperature or par. And I mean, it's, it seems like they're already, it's just not too complicated to put it in there. Maybe, maybe somebody should get the idea. Hey, you give me 1% for this idea. There's a par reader on your lamp out there. Send me one lamp anyway that reads par. I'll need one. But, <laughs> you know, 
But, but you know what I'm saying? It's like the, the integration of all this is all just fixing to happen. I mean, it's just happened with like the GPS and satellites have just started to happen with tractors. And even though we've been talking about GPS and satellites for years, but it's taken such a long time. And like now I'm, I'm out here in Oklahoma, <clears throat> this turnpike they're building. I saw this one guy was driving one tractor and then there were other two graders right behind him that were totally empty. Right. And they're just, you know, following his GPS or, you know, he's controlling them. Wow. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. It's totally crazy, man. It's and, a drone tractor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drone tractor. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. The technology is mm. everywhere. And, you know, I mean, the most expensive thing with cannabis is, is labor, like you said, the, to be able to automate any point. But then you also have to like read the data. Right. Like, you know, just because, you know, you're shoving all your weed in your automatic harvesting machine and it sorts the nuggets and pushes the big leaf to one side, the small leaf to the other side, and the eighth nuggets this way, and the pound nuggets this way. You still need the data from it all. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we started Trim, we thought it would be really great if we could. Google set out to catalog the world's data. I, I think, you know, you could say we set out to catalog the cannabis cultivation industry's data, right? We didn't actually set out to do it at the industry scale, though. We set it out to do it at the grower scale, where we could actually catalog all of their data, and then they can look back on it and reflect on it and figure out how to make improvements. Because ultimately, you and I can both be growing, like, you know, Mac. We can both be growing a strain, and your version of Mac might be different than mine, right? Because, like, we, mm -hmm. we think it's the same cut, but ultimately it may not be. And, I mean, there's been, obviously, a lot of uh, efforts to try and make, to, to try and identify those similarities, but knowing that I've seen one of my friends Gorilla Glue, I've seen the other one's Gorilla Glue, and they look fundamentally different. It's like something happened along the lines, and maybe, you know, <laughs> like start yeah, right. or whatever. But uh, also, like, we don't track everything, right? So there's these outside influences around, like, how tight is the envelope of the room and that kind of thing. So, you know, we, we have the inputs, but we don't know every, we haven't characterized every element of every room. So we think we're, you know, the, the kind of similarities across different growers make it challenge the, the differences of their grow environment, the differences of their, of their strains make it difficult, I think, to, to really create this whole industry-wide perfect model of how, what's the best way to grow cannabis. But what we can do, I think, is provide growers along the way as we continue to, to get better about how we make it really easy to track data. We can make it really easy to provide recommendations to growers on how to make improvements. Like, hey, you know, normally when you run your alien cookies in room three, you keep it 73 degrees and you get this output, you're running at 75 degrees on average. You know, if we could drop that back down, then you might get X percent more output. You know, those are the types of things along the way that I think we should be able to provide because, you know, you can already provide those types of assertions and a lot of, there's a lot of technology to, to provide those types of assertions in other industries, um, you know, around like turbine performance and around, uh, you know, like a broad, broader agriculture. You know, if, if the field looks this color of brown from the satellite image, then you're probably suffering from this pathogen. You know, that's something that they can do in broader ag. The fact that we can't do that in cannabis is, I think, a statement to the fact that it was federally illegal. A lot of growers weren't, didn't have the will or the, the motivation to take really accurate records that were especially digital because you didn't want to have a record of what you're doing. And even sure. when we moved to medical, sure. was, you know, there was a lot of that. So, you know, there's a lot of internal nomenclature and there's a lot of unique 
cultivar cultivars that exist and a lot of unique environments. And so that's been a gap to be able to provide that at Canvas. But that's what we're on the way to do is to, to help growers ultimately grow a better product. And, and we're doing that by tracking all those major pieces oh, of the business. Oh, man. That's where it's at. We just need to grow better weed, dude. Everybody needs to grow better <laughs> weed. I need better weed. You need better weed. We, we all, all need better weed. That, that's for sure, man. Man, this has been an awesome conversation. How do people look you up? How do people find out about Trim? Yeah, so our website is Trim with a Y, so T-R-Y-M dot I-O. You can go there, you can request a demo, or you can email us at info at Trim dot I-O. Love to talk to anyone that's interested. Uh, as I mentioned, we're in 14 states. Our farm platform works in any state, irrespective of uh, the compliance system you guys use. And then if you're specifically looking for metric support in California, definitely reach out uh, because we, over the experience of building out that integration for compliance, have turned into industry experts as, uh, as far as compliance goes in the state of California. So yeah, we'd love to have a conversation with any of your listeners that think we could be helpful. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah, Metric is coming to town near you, Oklahoma. So uh, <laughs> get get ready for it. Yeah, we just passed it a couple of days ago. Or just not passed, but it just came into action, I believe, just a couple of days ago. So it's all starting to happen here. That's the truth, um, man. Yeah, those guys yeah. those guys have a pretty good grip on, on the regulated states. Oh, yeah. Well, here it comes. It's all good. Hey, man, uh, thanks for the conversation today. I really appreciate uh, us finally getting together. It looks a little clearer out there, not so smoky. Uh, I hope the breeze keeps up and the fires stay down. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been really nice talking to you. And uh, yeah, hope you have a great rest of your day. Yes, thank you. And hey, thanks for listening to another episode of The Real Dirt. This has been The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. If you're interested in this episode or others, you can subscribe on iTunes and on Spotify. If you have uh, any uh, grow needs, check us out at Cultivate Colorado, cultivateokc.com. And remember, when life's getting you down, just grow a little bit of weed and it'll make you feel better. Thanks again. Real Dirt. Real Dirt.